In this week's Travel Trends, we recap all the latest news in popular destinations around the diaspora and Africa. Also, it's Women's Month, so we highlight three of our personal faves. Let's travel and turn up. Hey. Hey. Yo, what's good, fam? Looking for the perfect travel podcast? We We got got you. you. We're travel entrepreneurs that have been to every inch of the globe. Representing the U.S., the U.K., the Caribbean, and Africa, we cover the entire diaspora. So check us out at TravelAndTurnUp.com. Come travel with us every week, link with the diaspora, and become a better, more informed traveler. Uh, well, Tiffany, welcome back. Um, I'm sure, I hope you weren't uh, mad that we kicked you off for the last I you guys didn't kick me off. I, I politely declined your invitation because I was doing better things. So I allowed you guys to congregate. Oh, Who still uses microwaves in 2020? Oh, I use microwaves. Oh, God. What fancy machine are you using? Yeah, like, what, what do you, how do you warm your food if you don't use a microwave? I don't eat leftovers. Oh my gosh. That's the wealthiest thing you've ever said on this podcast, <laughs> Tiffany. You said a lot of wealthy things on this podcast. That's by far the wealthiest thing you've ever said on this podcast. No, I do eat leftovers, but I like to warm it up in the oven, though. All right. Let's hop into this week's uh, trends for what's going on. Obviously, COVID has vastly affected travel, as you guys know, we've because we've talked about it for like the last four or five, maybe even six months. I don't know how long it's been at this point. Um, So we look at places in Africa that are opening up um, because a lot of countries now are deciding that they want to open up um, soon. Shout out to my African travelers. I've had a lot of people reach out to me, uh, especially from Nigeria, kind of wondering when's Nigeria going to open this airspace. They uh, made an announcement last week that they expect the airspace to be open in October. But of course, as usual, there's confusion because another announcement was kind of made um, by a separate government agency that said um, they're not sure about the October date, but they've started the process of opening international borders now. So while we're trying to figure out ourselves there in Niger, let's go to other countries that we that know what they're doing. So, for example, South Africa. Um, so what's happening in South Africa, Tiffany? So South Africa says that they're planning to reopen January 2021 for international tourism. They have a lot of content creators in South Africa who I I personally believe was overlooked. So now they're starting to put more focus on those who are traveling throughout the um the country, which to me I don't think like when COVID, you know, simmers down and then international travel picks back up, I think these tourism boards throughout the continent should continue focusing on intra-country, intra-regional uh, and intracontinental um, travel. Because say, for instance, this weekend, I just went to my Samara and they have reports everywhere. Oh, the Mara is so empty. This is, it was a great migration that's going on. The great migration is when you have, I believe, around 4 million wildebeest who are migrating from Tanzania into Kenya uh, for mating purposes. So it's a 
it's an incredible, I think it's one of the seven new wonders to view this. And the park was so empty and the pricing for foreigners, which I actually want to get into this conversation a little bit later if we can. The conversation, the pricing for foreigners was 8,000 shillings, which is about, no, it was 8,000 shillings, which is about like $75. And then it was, or $80. And then it's like 1,000 shillings, which is like $10 for um, locals. And it still was not that many people inside the park. But the thing is, if you continue to promote intra-country travel, and you can see, even when you look at um, tourism expeditions, a great percentage comes from inter- intercontinental travel on a, in Africa. So I think we shouldn't divert from, you know, those within Africa traveling, you know, make things a little bit more affordable because instead of like Ethiopia is known for reducing prices drastically for Ethiopians to travel. Now, if all African countries would do that, then many within the country would travel. So South Africa, as you know, David, has started a new, I guess, social media push. Um, hashtag South Africa is ready. Um, I'm sorry. South Africa is travel ready. Hashtag South Africa is travel ready. Um, now, South Africa, I think, is one of the most visited uh, countries on the entire continent. So maybe other countries, I think, can kind of copy this and start maybe their own social media hashtag or, or kind of push. And we've seen this with European countries, um, with Spain and Portugal, to uh, really trying to pr- um, promote and influence travel back to the country. So, David, what do you feel about South Africa? Is, hashtag South Africa is travel ready. And do you feel like, one, it can be successful? And do you feel like, you know, we should replicate it in other places? So I feel like I have two thoughts. One is they need to make sure it's safe, safe. And when I say safe, safe, I mean for the Africans living there, not for the tourists. Obviously, you know, make things safe for the tourists. But there's definitely been times where I've heard, not specifically just South Africa, but other African nations as well, particularly when it comes to reopening after COVID, where it sounds like they're taking precautions and taking care for visitors and for tourists. But the, you know, actual citizens, people that actually live there, still don't have adequate, you know, supplies. They're not being taken care of in the same way. So I feel like that should be Africa's priority. You don't want to let people back in and then they are coming to infect your people. Like your first priority should be making sure your own people are safe. So as long as that's cool, that was just my first thought. I'm 100% behind it. I think it's a great thing. Um, I do think that other, yeah, other countries should should look to do similar things. Because the thing is, I know definitely for South Africa, but lots of other African countries, particularly maybe some East African countries and other Southern African countries, where they rely heavily on that, um, those tourists coming. So that that's a huge part of the economy. And so it's, it's actually really important to get that back up and running because it's the same way in, in other countries, particularly in the West. So in the UK, for example, they're trying to get the economy back up and running, but it's kind of, more domestic stuff so it might just be getting people to go out and spend food spend money on food spend money in other areas whereas for africa a lot of it is just tourism and so we do need to get tourism back up and running again but i think it's it's very hopeful because i already see loads of people on holiday particularly leaving from the uk there's loads of people that are already on holiday mostly in europe but also in some other places so i'm seeing people start starting to travel again which is good Oh, kind of good. 
<laughs> so we know some other countries in um, Africa to highlight are Kenya, which uh, resumed international flights on August 1st. Rwanda, which also resumed international flights on August 1st. Ghana, which we're still not 100% sure when their international flights are going to resume. Very much like Nigeria, um, there seems to be like conflicting information because um, we heard, we know that uh, uh, um, the international airport, uh, Kotoka uh, International Airport, has been open for a while, but as far as like, you know, can you get a flight to Ghana right now? I'm still not sure if you can. If you can, I've I've heard conflicting no. information. So yeah. No, so if any of my Ghanaians, don't give out false information. There's no international flights <laughs> going into Ghana or leaving out of Ghana. So whether the airport is closed, but it is for domestic travel, because now they're even you know um, people who are coming. Someone said that they're going to sue the U.S. government because they've been stuck in wow. Ghana and they missed the seven flights. Seven repatriation flights went out and they didn't make any of those. So now they're saying they're going to sue the, the U.S. government for not finding them a way out of Ghana, which on one end, I do, I do hear you. But on another end, I've seen personally seen articles where people are like, Oh, I'm promoting tours to Ghana. Um, I'm, I'm making a decision to move to Ghana. And then when COVID ha- happened, Oh, they're stuck in Ghana and they're giving all these interviews, how they're stuck in Ghana and they can't be. <laughs> so, so it's just become a PR thing. So how come you keep hearing then? I mean, I get you, but this is a problem, right? Because you keep hearing, um, I'm reading articles for people saying, oh, I, I, I bought a flight to Ghana, so maybe they're allowing flights to go back in. Why would they allow flights to be bought and sold if they're not you know, going to allow people to fly in or if they don't know when the date's going to be? There's no flow of communication. There's no flow of communication between different embassies, between custom agents, between airports, because remember when Ghana first... Um, uh, they removed the restriction or the requirement of Jamaicans to receive to um, that you had to get a visa prior to arriving. They just said if you have a Jamaican oh, yeah. passport, you can go into Ghana, you know, visa free. And I know someone who personally went to the airport and they were not allowed on a flight, even though the policy changed for um, Jamaicans no longer needing visas. So I think no matter what, Delta is going to sell their tickets because they need the money. And if by any chance Ghana does not open by then, then they'll just say, OK, just push it back. But they have your money. Then if they will say Okay, I don't know if I want to get off subject here, but it was a big conversation about should should other Africans and also black people be charged the same amount as colonizers in the sense of when you're visiting. (laughs) I know I know I'm going left field, but in the sense of. When when colonizers took land, took farmland, let's just say in Zimbabwe and also in South Africa, they had to be forcefully pushed off this land in order for the rightful owners to be placed back onto the farmland. Now in Zimbabwe, they're saying, oh, we're going to um, compensate the white farmers. Pay reparations. Imagine. I can't believe that's and so they're they're going to give them reparations, money that they don't even have. So they gave them like a note. 
so they're going to give them reparations for land that they, they're stolen. So say, for instance, if colonizers stole the land, and say, for instance, in South Africa, when they had the Truth and Reconciliation Act, and they said, okay, we did Black South Africans wrong, let's, okay, we're not ready to depart with all of the land, but we will give up 75% of the land, and then some of the proceeds will go back to you guys also, so you can rebuild generational wealth, which was stolen from you. Then to me, that makes sense of, okay, when you're coming to visit into the land that you colonized and raped for so many different years, then why am I being charged the same amount as you know, those Europeans, because in America, say for instance, America and America did have their part and even with apartheid in South Africa, but black people from America don't reap the benefits from America's colonization. Yet when we come back to Africa, we're, ch- we're charged like a foreign, like a, a colonizer. So that was a whole conversation that I had yesterday with some friends, but, um, what do you think about that? No, I mean, I, I, I get the point. And I, so I've done uh, a few presentations in the last couple of years on this very thing. Like, how can we spur um, uh, travel and visitation to a, a few West African countries? And one of my big things are in terms of making visas easier to get for people coming within the diaspora coming home. An easy thing that you can do is even if you say, you know what, I want to keep you know, because uh, it's a reciprocity because it's really difficult to get a visa, for example, to the United States if you have a Nigerian passport. So Nigeria makes the visa really difficult to get a Nigerian visa if you have a U.S. passport. We've talked about this year before. But one thing I've said is that you could make it easy for black people. Like, for example, if you're black and you have a U.S. passport, you can get a visa on arrival. And all you have to do is call it some sort of like um, uh, descendancy act or some sort of repatriation act, just something like that, that basically says that you know, for the descendants of the people taken from this land as, you know, um, forcibly taken from this land a couple hundred years ago, we, the country, recognize these descendants and allow them ease of travel, visa ease of travel to come in, you know, check out the genealogy or something like that. Something really, really simple that just allows black people to travel mm-hmm. easier on the continent. So I agree. I've, I've long thought that this is something that we can do. Um, but, you know. Uh, it, it depends. Uh, so David, we're actually talking about this a little bit earlier, just like different things that the continent can kind of do to, you know, spur, um, yeah. revenue because, you know, it, all of our countries, it seems like ours, when I say ours, I mean, black countries, African countries seem to be struggling and especially hit hard with, uh, this year due to COVID. Yeah, no, exactly. I think these, you're, you're completely spot on, especially in terms of that suggestion. I think these are the things we really need to do. Um, and I think from my perspective, at least these things have to be more than just one individual country. You know, like we spend so much time talking about how Ghana had started to open things up to people from the U S or people from the Caribbean or other places. But realistically it has to be one more than one country and two it has to be countries kind of collaborating or coming together to make things happen. Because I think it, it's going to be really hard to create any kind of concrete change if it's just one country at a time and if people aren't aligned. So I think it definitely has to be countries cooperating with each other, having mutual realization of visa requirements, things like that. And and obviously I'm sure some countries will need to lead by example and lead the charge in doing that so that the rest can follow. But everyone does need to be on the same page in terms of seeing that as a, as a real goal. Cause I'm actually not even sure that some African countries do. I think, 
that's not necessarily an indictment on them. It's not a negative thing. But I don't know if for everyone it's a primary priority to unite the diaspora in the same way. But I definitely think that it should hmm. be. I actually agree with that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it is a primary priority. That's a good that's a good point, you know. And maybe that's why in the coming months we should have more people from tourism boards, but not just tourism boards. I also think like people that you know, maybe control uh, some of the uh, economic levers in some of these countries or will be really good guests because, you know, the, the the tie between tourism and the economy and the diaspora and like, you know, all this stuff kind of ties together, as you guys know, from, from you know, with our show. So, I, you know, it's definitely it's an interesting question. Um, all right. So not really, I guess, a ton of travel news this week in particular, just kind of like, you know, more the same. But I do want to point out one thing. It is Women's History Month, Tiffany. And as the most prominent woman on the show and in the world, no, I think it's, I think it's amazing that we have, um, Women's Month. Um, I think personally on, on this show, we should highlight, um, different women who we appreciate and women who we think have maybe paved the way for others to do it, not just women, but also men to, you know, uh, move forward in their field of interest. So, um, I mean, I don't really have much to say about that, but which woman do I think, I think Sterling, um, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf is a, a dope woman to start with, not dope, but amazing woman um she was the first woman president of liberia was she the first woman president in all of Af- yes. african continent first elected also? head of state in all of africa correct yes yeah so um and she did a, she she did an amazing um job while in office so i think that's someone we sh- we can definitely highlight to kick off the series i don't know guys who would you want to highlight what woman Aside from your family members, like, who would you nominate? So, real quick, it's Women's oh, Month, like not Women's History Month? Oh, let's correct that. Um, oh, no, I'm asking you, because I, I said Women's History Month, but apparently you even say Women's was, Month. So. I thought it was Women's Month, but let me just confirm. Okay. okay. Um, so, I think... Uh, if we're going to, I guess, talk about women that we want to highlight. So each of us have to do one for each week. All right. My mind this week would be none other than Madam Ngozi Okonjo-Iwilia. Um, and she, you know, was the uh, head of the World Bank for a little bit. Uh, she also headed Nigeria's like uh, financial sector for a little bit. And in my opinion, she should be the president of Nigeria. I, like, I just think that she would be the most obvious and probably best person to be president of Nigeria. But we all kind of know how politics Ooh in Nigeria and Africa in general kind of goes. But um yeah, she's someone I'd like to know. I mean she she's brilliant. Um she has a really good grasp of the system. Um she has a really good grasp of 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 uh, economics and finance and I just I've always looked up to her. I think she's an absolutely brilliant brilliant um woman. So um yeah, that's that's who I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll nominate here. Oh, just correction, she was not the head of the World Bank, but she was at the World Bank. Um and she was in the number two position of the World Bank, and she was the finance minister of Nigeria two different occasions. So it's, it's turn, Women's David. Month. It's Women's Month, not Women's History Month. It's Women's, women's Month. Okay. Yeah. Women's Month. Got it. 
Are we doing one per week or everyone is doing one? Everyone got to give one a week. It's enough There's more than enough oh, okay. to go around there. Hello. <laughs> Y'all didn't even give me no notice. You know what? I'm just going to go with Serena Williams just because it was something I was thinking about earlier today. Yeah. Um, just first of all, how dominant and amazing she's been in her sport for decades. More accomplished than almost any tennis player in the history of the sport. Um, but also I think, you know, the fact that sh- there's a lot of things she gets criticized for that men don't get criticized for in the same way. So I, I saw on Twitter, there was someone else posting about Cristiano Ronaldo and how they got kicked out of the Champions League. And so he was upset and he was like slapping the floor and shouting and doing all this stuff. And people were like, wow, you know, you can really see such a winner. You can see oh, after he lost, you can see, oh, the passion he has. That's why he's so angry and upset. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Serena threw her tennis racket one time and people were cussing her. It was, in, it was in the newspaper, all of these things. And so I think, you know, she faces such great adversity for things that men in doing the exact same job, doing the exact same things, do not face. Um, and she still overcomes all of that. And she's been dominant for, for longer than anyone else. So she's one of my personal people. Awesome. So yeah, we should definitely do this for the rest of the month even though we missed the first week. Maybe we can even do it the first week into September too. So that'd be cool. That'd be dope. And then one last um, thing I want to say before I have to jump off in a minute. Um, with South Africa, um, you were talking about the numbers and just making sure it's safe, safe. That One thing I can say about South Africa, I would say it is you can see the disparity between access to healthcare with black South Africans and others. And I, if you have any friends in South Africa, anyone that you speak to has known someone who's passed from COVID. It is really, really affecting. Um, it is really, really affecting, uh, uh, those in South Africa. And I would say similar to how it's affecting black people in the States. So South Africa, I think, is a special case because of how people live in close proximity. You know, when you talk about Alexander, when you talk about um, modes of transportation, when you talk about access to healthcare and things of that sort, it it really um, channels the same type of um, attention or access to healthcare. Um, that we see black people um, going through in the States. So that's one thing to con- take in consideration with South Africa. And another thing is the, the weather. They get brutal winters. So all mm-hmm. of these talks of, oh, maybe if you put your clothing in the sun and if you do this in the sun, it will work out. No. So, um, yeah, South Africa is really going through it. Yeah, no, and we're definitely, let's touch on that in some upcoming episodes, because we actually, we do kind of have some South Africa-centric stuff coming up. Um, all right, so, it's your turn for the, it's your turn for the big tune, Tiffany, but you should let me get it this week anyway. Only if you <laughs> let me get it two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row? Just take what? mine next week. Sense. No, I want it two weeks in a row. So oh you my God, right, we'll negotiate it. Fine, 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 fine. I just want to get this big tune up. <laughs> <laughs> um so my big tune because popcon released this uh album which is an incredible incredible album you have to learn um, how to say his name first before you b- pick a big tune by him what's wrong popcon that's how you say it i'm saying it right all right popcon 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 anyway 
He released this album, and I've been listening to it nonstop since it came out. And it's just in time for this Jamaica trip I got coming up anyway. So my big stream is going to come from the Popcorn album featuring my boy Drake called Twist and Turn. Uh, so that's what it is. Till next time, y'all. Peace. Your body drive me crazy. Your body need a license fit. Your body are too tight and neat. Anybody who got eyes can't see. She just wanna dance and tease. She just wanna dance and tease me. 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 You've been missing since 2016 Squid tell me one fix things You know that's my sister When she speak I listen She swears you're my missus I say we think different I, 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 I see Why your heart's icy Come baby, come, come try me Who you gonna love if you run by me, oh too many twists and turns, twists and turns, yeah. Lot of way, twists and turns, twists and turns. Thank you for joining us on Travel and Turn Up. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five star review. Find more information about any topics or destinations discussed by following us on social media. Search Travel and Turn Up. That's T-A-R-V-E-L-N-T-U-R-N-U-P on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Travel more, say less.